0: Welcome to Mums Group. This is a podcast for new and expectant mums who share a Christian worldview. Now, I decided to do this podcast before COVID-19 was a thing, but now with the closure of mums groups and playgroups, it's more important than ever to connect with other mums. And so welcome to this Audible Mums Group. On today's episode, I'm keen to explore the idea of how motherhood can define our experience of faith and how our faith can refine our experience of motherhood. I reckon motherhood tells us everything we need to know about faith. Like being a parent, it teaches us in the clearest terms how God, our Father in Heaven, relates to us. His love, his frustrations, his compassion for us. And the way we feel about our kids is about as close as we can get to grasping how God feels about us. I've asked my school friend Lynn (laughs) and my church friend Tani to join me for this conversation.
1: (music) I'm Lynn. I'm married to Ardi and we have a little boy, Joey, who's two and a bit years old. Um, we are watching a lot of Fireman Sam and Peppa Pig in isolation.
2: Hi everyone, my name's Tani. I'm married to Jonathan and we've got two kids. Lucia is five and a bit and Otis is two and a bit and we are watching back-to-back Louie which I quite love, actually, to be honest. So it, I'm quite happy that Bluey's on almost all of the time.
0: I wish Banjo was into Bluey. He's just... He'll get there. He w- might get there. He's Wiggles obsessed at the moment. All right. To start off with, Tani, can you just share the brief backstory to you becoming a Christian?
2: Yeah, sure. So I became a Christian when I was 17, and that would have been my final year of high school, but I'd left school earlier that year, just in a bit of a crisis. And in the lead up to that period of time, I was, I guess, hungry and looking for some sense of meaning in life and really keen to feel okay within myself. And it came about with a friend just inviting me along to her church, which I was hesitant to do because I have no church background. I was not raised in a Christian family So I thought Christians were okay people, it just wasn't for me. (coughs) Um, But I agreed to go along anyhow because I had this sense of surely things mean something. I'd had some loss in my life. I had quite a lot of loss in my early life and I was raised by a single mum, so I had lots of unresolved hurts and lots of issues. And it all kind of culminated in hearing the gospel and getting this sense that I was fully known by God and fully loved and I didn't know that's what Christianity was about before I heard what I heard and I became a Christian like on the day that she invited me to her church so having never been to church really ever before I just became a Christian on the spot and have never been the same since. Wow
0: I, I would love to do a full episode on just your testimony Danny. but uh, Lynn what's the sort of brief background to you becoming a Christian?
2: My journey to faith was
1: probably more slow burn. I um, grew up going to a Christian uh, school in Sydney and I had, um, so we had, you know, Christian studies classes. We learned about the Bible. We learned about who God was and who Jesus was. And I had a really dear friend who for years and years kept inviting me to go along to Sunday school or kids church or youth group. Um, And I never really went um, until I, decided I would go on a summer camp when I was about 14. So I knew a lot about the Bible. I knew a lot about Christianity. Um, But on this summer camp, I read the Bible for myself for the first time in in a personal way, in a way where I was actually trying to relate to God. And I think that experience of reading the Bible and listening to what it said and trying to figure out if I know all these things about the Christian faith and I say I believe them, but they have no bearing on my life, what does that make me or how does that fit all together? And so I prayed for the first time on that camp that I would be someone whose life would be shaped by
0: being loved by God and seeking to love and honour him myself. So very interesting. We all grew up in homes where our faith was not shared. Um, So in that case, what are ways that you're trying to model your faith to your own children now? Like what are some of the practical things you're doing with your Little ones.
2: Yeah, for me, I think so much about ultimately to know God is to love him and that we've been asked and instructed to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. And so I just want to demonstrate my love for the Lord to my kids in everyday, ordinary, normal moments Practically, it means reading the Bible and praying when they're around, even when it's chaos and busy. Sometimes I definitely wait for nap time or a quiet moment. But in other moments, I just read the Bible while they're playing and I just say, That's what I'm doing right now. And they can come and bother me and interrupt and sit with me and join in. But we just, it's just to show them that it's a practice of getting life from the Lord that I do and we as a family do. Yeah the same with worship and singing songs together and we have family devotional time and
0: what does that look like
2: yeah it's just for a brief amount of time it used to just be let's read the bible together and um, pray and go to bed but we now actually do worship too we sing songs together while we pray while we read the word we have a bit of discussion who was in that little story that we read from the kids bible that we might be reading and it's less than five minutes some nights and some nights it can go on longer and we're just trying to make it a daily practice that we don't just have faith on a sunday we worship the lord all every day and we love him and that's why we do this not because we have to but because we love him and to commune with him together as a family is one of the greatest joys of our day and for you lynn i think similarly
1: And you know we read the bible together toddler bible at the moment we do things like, say, a really simple grace before meals, which recently Joey started taking over. So now he says grace, which sometimes, oh. you know, means that we might go on a bit of a tangent and involve some thanks to God for diggers or cement mixers <laughs> or the like. But um, I think trying to anchor parts of your day with little routines that just remind your little ones that there's more to the everyday than what we necessarily experience and see in front of us. And we also say prayers before we go to bed. We try and listen to little kids uh, Christian songs throughout the day as well. I think partly as well for us, it's modelling to Joey how the gospel shapes our character and the way that we interact with each other. So things like not just asking him to say sorry when he does the wrong thing, but us saying sorry when we're short with each other or we're not patient or kind or that kind of thing, just modelling how the gospel shapes our our being as well as our actions. Um, For us, like I think even something which for some people might be a really big effort um, but for other people might not seem like that big a deal is just getting to church every week and showing him that for us that's actually a really significant part of our week and shapes our week and is kind of an anchor in our week that helps us remember who we are before God and remember that it's not just us and our little family but that we get to be part of God's bigger family as well by going and being with other Christians.
0: I love how, you know, Andrew's only 20, 21 months and he started holding us accountable with grace. So if we start eating <laughs> he starts, ah, 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 and tries to <laughs> grab our hands, <laughs> he, he doesn't have many words yet. So we haven't given him the opportunity to lead the prayers, but it, it's lovely when, yeah, it becomes a part of their routine. Um, unfortunately, I was doing prayers when I was putting him down at night, but he started associating that with sadness because he didn't want to go to bed. And <laughs> so I changed prayer time to being when I'm buckling him up in the car, just saying things like, you know, thank you for this day and thank you for whoever we're going to go visit and their special relationship. But, yeah, it's as it's much right a part dear. of your routine but becoming part of theirs too. Mm-hmm.
2: I remember a, a friend of mine, she has four kids, and she'd said a similar thing that when her kids were getting older that, you know, prayer time and Bible reading right before bed – was met with resistance, not because they didn't want to do those things but because they were resisting going to bed. That's right. And so she just changed up the rhythm of her day and it became sort of maybe over breakfast or over lunch or just at another time of day so that it was something that they came to more joyfully, which is the hope.
0: Do you carry a burden about your children's faith journey? Like do you feel the weight of their salvation?
2: I don't know if I would describe it that way necessarily. Um, One of the things that I believe to be true is that the Holy Spirit is at work within people (laughs) and my kids, their journey to faith is going to be their own. And there's this really beautiful quote from a pastor called Matt Chandler and he says that the job of a parent, Christian parent, is to just put as much kindling around a child's heart for the things of God, the practices of faith, the things that are going to help them uh, along the way, like genuinely expressing and living your faith around them, highlighting and valuing what God values. And then the prayer as a parent is to just pray that the Holy Spirit will captivate their heart and ignite the fire with all of this kindling just illuminating their life. And so for John and I, that's our hope and prayer, that We can trust our kids to the Lord and that our job is to love them and to disciple them and trust that God's at work in them.
0: Hmm. Is that a similar sentiment to you, Lynn? I think so.
1: I think in my, I'm going to say more prideful moments where you want to be in control and you want to be the person who can lay out the steps of your child's life in the way that you want them to be, you can feel that burden and you can feel that fear of like, what if I don't do enough or what if I, you know, don't help them see the beauty of the gospel enough. But I think in those moments it's actually to get to that space is helpful for me to just go, I'm in that place where I'm not trusting the future to God and I'm not recognising that he's the one that knit Joey together in my womb, that he's the one who's in control of the whole universe. So yeah, in my best moments, I definitely share that sentiment that Tani shared. But I think in my worst, you know, you wanna you wanna protect your children. And when I get to that place, it's just a helpful reminder to me that God's the ultimate one who is gonna protect Joey, care for him, love him better than even I can.
0: Mm, absolutely. You know, we, we have a responsibility laying that foundation or that kindling. I love that, Tani. Um, and helping our kiddos understand who God is and what he said, but ultimately we do need to trust God for the work of salvation and, and the work of changing them just like he did that in our own lives. What's been the biggest surprise to you in motherhood? That might be a hard question <laughs> to think of. <laughs> I'll start. I am constantly astounded by how selfish I am. You know, I thought once you had a kid, you always put them first, but I don't. Like, for example, you know, I love reading books and watching TV with Banjo, taking him places like to the beach or going on a bushwalk. But anything that's make pretend or super hands on, like letting him help cook or building a thousand block towers and knocking each down, like I really have to discipline myself to not get over it within five minutes like <laughs> I love being with my kid but not playing with him for long periods of time which which was a really big surprise to me like I continue to be shocked by my selfish nature in motherhood I just thought that 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 wouldn't be a thing like as soon as you become a mom your kids are your whole world but yeah I'm constantly <laughs> surprised by that what what surprised you? I have a a thing that surprises
2: me too in terms of the negative sense of seeing myself as I truly am. Like I see my kids as such a mirror and (laughs) the depth of my sin and my anger and my meanness and all of these qualities that I was like I wouldn't have described myself, that has surprised me a bit. But, But the positive surprise that I have really found is the delight I have in seeing my kids together. I think when we were having um, Pregnant with Otis, I was not fully anticipating what it meant to watch Lucia with a sibling. And when he was born, the minute he was born, his eyes widened with recognition as he cooed and sang to him. And I was just so delighted and awed and just thought, wow, that is so surprising and so lovely you know you mentioned that becoming a mother we get a picture of what it's like for God's love for us and then when seeing brothers and sisters loving each other and that's not to say their relationship is perfect but they really have a depth of love that I didn't anticipate and I think that's giving me a picture of the church that I really have really valued. Mm, Love it.
1: For you Lynn? I think for me it was how hard it was, but how much I loved it. It's just like that tension of this is the hardest thing I've ever, ever done. And it's just drawing on wells of perseverance and strength. I did not think would be possible (laughs) in my own life, but at the same time, just like I would not swap this for anything else in the world. Like what a beautiful gift and what a wonderful blessing And I think living in that tension every day, it's just like um, I kind of expected like maybe there'd be a hard day and then, you know, a day that you loved, like, I don't know, longer periods of time or something. But I think I've just been surprised by the challenge of being a mum interplays kind of at every intersection with just the joy and gladness I have in being a mum.
0: What sort of situations lead you to your knees? Like where you really... (laughs) Uh, send up a lot of prayers.
2: Yeah, for me, that's what I was sort of alluding to earlier, The the my own sin and my own struggles in um, parenting and the moments where I get really angry and really frustrated um, with my kids and I get so like, wow, I am more angry than I even knew and more sinful than I even dare to acknowledge. And so it's very good in some ways because it really causes me to depend on the Lord and not be so prideful. I think my kids are cooperative, my firstborn particularly. Easy, delightful little girl would just say, "Uh uh-uh, and she just wouldn't do things. And I attributed that to my parenting. (laughs) (laughs) She's just more cooperative sort of personality. But I was thinking, like, I'm just doing a pretty good job here as a mum and so I have a lot of pride and so when I'm parenting my kids, I really see God doing his sanctifying work in revealing what needs to be changed and transformed in me and that is both really hard and also something that I thank him for because I think it's a good work that he is doing in me, not just for my kids so that they don't have angry mum but also so that he is refining me and revealing
0: Christ in me, in my imperfection,
2: in my pride, in my sin.
0: I'm the opposite, Tani. I constantly feel like I'm doing a terrible job. Like the big picture stuff, great, you know, he's a happy boy, he's healthy, but I get so torn on how uninstinctive my Approach to discipline is. I, I just thought that would come really naturally. And I'm constantly unsure of how to handle situations like when he's hitting and biting and he doesn't understand why he can't have more chocolate or play with the drill like dad. And you're know, like, I'm constantly coming to God for those situations, you know, for patience, for wisdom about how to teach him what's acceptable and and to know what's a age appropriate discipline cuz i just feel like i'm doing it terribly right now i do think i've become and i probably assume all mothers feel this way but i do feel like i've become more empathetic since becoming a mother like i was an amazing mom when i was raising my hypothetical children like <laughs> i would internally judge parents when their kids were having a meltdown in the shopping center and now the shoe is on the other foot. <laughs> and I am knee deep in toddler parenting and find myself in many of the situations that I used to criticize. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, before we went into social distancing, isolation, I was at the park and Banjo was hitting and trying to bite a kid who wouldn't let him play with his bike. And the mum of this other kid was so sweet and she wasn't angry that banjo had just you know smacked her son on the face (laughs) she just said to me hang in there you know he'll grow and he'll learn and I asked him when and you said probably when he's about four I'm like that's a long time away Uh, but, (laughs) but but I'm really hoping that I continue to become more like that mom you know who doesn't judge who understands the complexities behind every situation and can just offer understanding and kindness and that's something that I didn't do before I was a parent and now I understand a bit more and admittedly I'm not perfect like but empathy is a skill and there's a whole lot of practicing in (laughs) parenthood so lots of opportunities to to refine but uh, are there other ways that you think or you can see how God has grown you in your faith your understanding of who he is um or or his character and and becoming more like that since becoming a mom
1: I think for me, the,
0: the big character trait that he's really grown is humility.
1: Like, I think we really put a burden on ourselves when we expect a lot of what we're capable of and don't realise how much that God's the one that's at work in our lives and in our families. Um, and I think that's really hard, particularly in like the social and cultural environment that we live in, like from every angle, you're just getting told like, if you do this, then this will happen. Or if you don't do this, then this bad thing's going to happen. Or I think it's so easy to kind of drink the Kool-Aid of feeling like if we don't get our ducks in a row, our kids are going to be at a loss or, you know, they're going to miss out or they're going to turn out badly or something like that. And I think just to have the Lord grow humility in me and help me understand that I can do what I can do to the best of my ability. But I've got to do that, trusting that um, he's the one who defines our steps and and cares for our children and is the one who is the the clay maker in it all. Like I'm not the one who's moulding my child in that deep cosmic spiritual sense. Like I just have a really practical role to play, and I have to recognise that before him.
2: And I would say a similar a similar thing because even though in parenting, one of my big struggles is to feel like, yeah, I am doing okay. That wasn't how my parenting experience started. Even in pregnancy and in birth and in breastfeeding in those early days, I was struck so profoundly with my own inadequacy at how to do motherhood. And that was partly because of a difficult birth and difficulties breastfeeding. And I think it was a time where I was suddenly so aware of my inadequacies in a way that I'd never anticipated and was not prepared for and rattled my husband when I'm like, I just don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think I know how to do this. And it really shook us both. But it was an interesting time because I was reminded that I leaned to self-sufficiency in so much of my life and suddenly I was in a thing where you can't just kind of fumble your way through Make it, you know, make it seem like you know what you're doing. You, It's all laid bare. You're so vulnerable and you're just like, I can't, my baby actually needs to be fed. I can't just like pretend that I know how to do this. And so it was a really interesting time to really meditate on the sufficiency of God, that he is enough. And since then I've, I've read this great book and it's like a series of essays called Mum Enough and there's a lot of sort of competition around motherhood, potentially, around how good are your children and what does that mean about you as their mother. And this article is saying that ultimately, as a Christian, we need to acknowledge that we aren't enough, that we aren't mum enough, but God is God enough. And so when He is God enough in our life, then we are okay, that it's okay that we're insufficient. It's okay that we lose it at our kids and um, struggle with our pride and make choices that are not good because he can redeem even our brokenness. And, in fact, that's the only thing that he can redeem because it's all we've got to offer. (laughs) So um, that's been a really ongoing thing to know of my self-sufficiency is not something to applaud. It's something to submit to God in prayer and say, you are God enough, and I'm grateful for that.
0: Mm. Uh, for maybe expectant mums who are uh, really involved in their church and uh, you know committed to this Bible study and this ministry, what are some things that they should be prepared for? As in, like, what were the stumbling blocks that you faced in that first year of motherhood, the, the challenges in nurturing or expressing your faith? I think for
1: some women it's easy to kind of fall into this pattern where you feel like the strength of your faith is intrinsically linked to your practical capacity or competency. So to go, I lead a Bible study and I serve at church in these three ways and they're really clear and obvious and my role is really defined and I know that I've seen success in my ministry when I see these things um, and I can replicate that or, you know, even little things like I get up every morning at the same time and I do my devotion and quiet time and I do that for half an hour or 45 minutes and that's the real wellspring of how I, you know, stoke my faith. And then to kind of get thrown into motherhood where all those structures and routines definitely at least for a time, might just get thrown out the window because you're just learning how to keep your baby alive. I think that can be really challenging and shake the kind of faith foundation if, you're, if you've if you kind of fallen into that pattern of, you know, feeling like this is how I know that my faith is healthy and strong and vibrant. But, yeah, I mean, as we've said, even if you are someone who that is the case for and you find yourself struggling with what your faith identity is when you have your baby, you know, just return to scripture and look at the promises that God holds out. You know, you'll just see that who we are is weak and vulnerable and imperfect. And God knows that already. Um, He wasn't looking at your ministry or the way that you served and counting that as righteousness to you, you know, he was looking at your heart and your humility before him. And that doesn't change when you have a kid. Um, if anything, um, you know, that just gets highlighted more. So I think if you're someone who has fallen into the unspoken, maybe even unconscious pattern of feeling like the strength of your faith is being defined by how, active, you are in church life or um, public service to the Lord, you might have a bit of a struggle when you first have your little one, um, but the Lord will use that. So, you know, don't stress.
0: Yeah. And that that season will pass as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I actually went the other way around when Banjo was first born for the first maybe six to eight months, I think, we were able to lead to alpha studies uh, because he was at that age where he could sleep anywhere. So we literally just brought the change mat and put that next to the group and he'd sleep there. And then for the second study, uh, he was moving. So we'd strap him into the pram and go for a little walk around the church and then he'd sleep for that one. But now we're not able to be at a Bible study um, physically because – he is a lot more picky and fussy about sleeping in his cot and his whole nighttime routine. And I do feel the disconnect. I'm not good, you know, with full-time work, I can't read anything at the moment. My head hits that pillow and I'm asleep within 10 seconds. And so not being able to read the scriptures on my own in, in a way that's more than just ticking it off. I really missed being at a Bible study and, digging deeper and also having those deeper connections and conversations with people in my church because, you know, five minutes before the sermon on a Sunday and five minutes afterwards, it's not the same as when you're in a, a Bible study. And um, yeah, the depth of those relationships really grows as you share and, you know, you're real with one another. So uh, yeah, it it is something to be wary of, like, but it is just a season as well. And now that he's a bit bigger I'm not breastfeeding anymore, I have the capacity to leave him um, at home or now with uh, COVID-19 doing the online Bible studies. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is something that more churches should uh, utilize going forward even when we come out of isolation for mums to be able to be a part of a Bible study just via Skype. Um, What was your experience, Tani?
2: Yeah, it definitely changes things ministry and being involved in church life looks different when you've got either a baby or small children. For many years, I'd listen to part of a sermon. I would hardly be in church for much of the time at all. I'd have fragmented conversations with a few other people and it really looked different uh, and could feel really disheartening to sort of get home and be like, I don't even feel like I've participated in worship because I was chasing someone and I didn't really hear the sermon. And I think I've half had a conversation with somebody and it it could get you down if you don't think about the season that you're in and the time of nurturing little ones and that it's not an unusual experience to normalise that motherhood looks like that, whether you're at church or having coffee with a friend. And I was really encouraged because it was actually a uni friend. She just shared on Facebook one time a little quote, from Isaiah, and I think it's 48, and it says, the Lord gently leads those with young. And it really spoke to me because I thought I definitely need gentle leading at this time because caring for young and with young, it's, it's not an easy time for your own spiritual health, for your own physical health in many <clears> ways. <throat> it, it takes a lot from you. And to know that God is at work even in it. And so I have started to think of ministry as less about like a formal program that I do and any little interaction and any time I get to love the one I'm with. So it might be in church. It might be having a cup of tea with someone after the church service. It might be when I'm at the supermarket and there's just someone near me just to love the ones I'm with. And I see that as my ministry, as being able to. Love and be present and just be available and encourage other people. So, like you said, Ali, to get a gentle, kind word from another mum to just affirm you and to just hear you're doing a good enough job and little ones are tricky and you've got this, it's okay. That can be so, that can minister to us as mums. And so, to recognize the value in being able to offer a kind word to someone. I just see that as ministry mm-hmm. for mums of young kids to, to fight against the tendency to compete and to think that you can, if I show that I'm doing it good enough, then that's going to help others. It really won't. To be vulnerable, to share what you struggle with, to um, be real, to be kind to yourself and to be kind to others, I think that is maybe what at least ministry has looked like for me in these early days mm-hmm. of motherhood.
0: Maybe just finally, are there any hacks that really helped you nurture your faith? Like what what did you do to recharge or, or refill the well in terms of practicing your faith? Like for, for me, sermon podcasts were a game changer because, yeah, as you've already mentioned, you're kind of getting snippets of the sermon. I think I was hearing one sermon every four or five weeks. And so to have those recorded now and being able to listen just in the car on the way to work, that was a real helpful thing. Was Was there anything that you'd suggest a mum listening right now could utilise?
2: Yeah, I definitely listen to quite a few sermon podcasts, particularly now on my drive to and from work. I love Tim Keller's podcast, Gospel Life. I think it's called. That's something that I listen to a lot. But uh, during maternity leave, I was really grieving the loss of a Bible study. I hadn't actually even been at a church where a Bible study was available for women and it was something I was really, really wanting and needing. And so I didn't have community to do it in and it was hard to coordinate with other women who I was sort of feeling out if if they wanted it too. But I just bit the bullet and thought, you know, I'm just going to do it myself. So I found this free resource online which came with a booklet and, did this formal Bible study and then you listen to like the teaching afterwards and it was the most rewarding time for me um, in terms of my growth and understanding of the Bible and I've continued to do some of the Bible studies that the author put out. Her name is Jen Wilkin and I she has a lot of resources that are free and online and other ones that you can pay for and even she would say this is good to do in community but I thought if I can't do it in community at the moment, that's okay. I'll do it on my own and then I'll just talk to people about my reignited enthusiasm for the Bible and for the Word. And And it was something that while I was on maternity leave and I've continued to do it, I just, it might not be an everyday thing. It might be once a week. I just sit down and on a Saturday morning when Jono's home with the kids or during one of the nap times or it's good to be able to find something that does feed you for for different people, it's going to be different things. And I listen to worship music a lot and, you know, it might be while I'm washing the dishes or, you know, whatever. So
0: oh, I'm the same. It's just, having worship music on in the house, it just seeps into your soul. It's, yeah, thank you very much, Bethel YouTube. <laughs> I think uh, we've contributed maybe a th- million of the views <laughs> to their channel. <laughs> um, what for you, Lynn? I think for me,
1: something that I found really helpful in the early days where I wasn't able to hold a lot in my mind was just to try to memorize little chunks of scripture, focusing on, you know, two or three verses. I think for me, that really helped me have God's word in my mind, even though I felt like I just didn't have the capacity energy-wise or physically to do a Bible study in the day when I was just trying to figure out left from right with the newborn to just have God's word ringing in my ears.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a good reminder just to lower the expectations of your um, mental capacity to take in, you know, some heavy scriptures, you know, to do a really in-depth Bible study because, I don't know, baby brain is something. <laughs> it's, a, it's grounded in some truth. I really – um <laughs> tapped into short devotions where it was literally one verse and a paragraph of commentary about that one verse. And that was about all I could absorb at that time, but that was able to sink in a lot more than if I tried to, yeah, just read through a book of the Bible on my own without anyone to kind of dialogue off. Uh, so, yeah, maybe, well, everyone's like going to be da- so different.
2: The daily scripture from, I can't even think of what the app is, but is it YouVersion? you I version? You version, Yeah version that daily scripture can sometimes just be that anchor point if you're thinking where do I find a resource and what can I find and I was just thinking in those very early days particularly when I had Lucia because it's true I had such baby brain I just felt in a fog and really not able to tap into (laughs) intense learning things but to be outside and to just enjoy creation Mm. and to really connect with the God who is holding me Um, is the God who made all of this. And to just have your worship be that, to enjoy as you watch your little one grow and develop and marvel at an ant, to kind of see with fresh eyes that God's creation is amazing and intended to awe us of who he is. And so that's been such a lovely gift of having little ones, to just see through their eyes, the wonder of creation and I love that God gives us that gift and not just Christians. Anyone can, you know, marvel at God's creation and get a, a little insight into how big he is and how vast he is and And if that doesn't cause you to worship, then, you know, I'm not sure what what would. So um, that's just a, some another thing. If you can't sort of switch on to reading anything, go outside and feel something. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, one thing that my husband always reminds me is that our son is not really our own. Like he's given to us for a short time during which we're his guardians, you know, his teachers, his mentors, his pastors, but he is not in the end going to be our dependent child forever. His life belongs to him and to God. And I find that both really challenging and consoling to realize. Uh, The challenge is obvious, But the comfort is that we're not alone in raising him. And God's love, his care, and anxiety for him will always be in excess of my own. And and that's a a real joy and a real comfort. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I hope this was an encouraging conversation. If you're keen to connect further, join us on Facebook. Just search Mums Group Pod, short for podcast. And if you think it would be of interest to someone you know, please share this episode with them. Uh, If you've got time, we'd love you to uh, give us a five-star rating. It just helps other people find the podcast or a review. Uh, But until next time, bye.